Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 382 on Tuesday, the 16th of February, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we're wondering if there is a difference between by and from, we'll be sparking up a conversation about two British manufacturers. We also discuss how our roads may not even get to be paved, let alone with gold this year. And we help you at least pretend you are somewhere else for a little while. But first, we are going to leap into a little tiny bit of follow-up. And this is more really for the script writers of the action movie that is Gone versus Japan. And it is two, <laughs> the two Americans who helped smuggle him out of, uh, out of the country by sticking him in a box and sticking him on a plane and taking him to Turkey and then from Turkey to Lebanon or wherever they went after that and then eventually Lebanon. But it is that the ex-Special Forces chappy and his son were denied their appeal on the extradition to Japan. Now, what they were trying, they'd gone to a higher court to say, hang on, we should be allowed to appeal the lower court that said, no, you've got to go to Japan. Tough luck. The lawyers were trying to claim that they couldn't be prosecuted in Japan for helping someone bail jump. And I'm quoting here from the uh, Auto News website, uh, and that if extradited, they face the prospect of relentless interrogations and torture, which there has been questions about the Japanese system of getting information from suspects once in jail, hasn't there? Yes. But whether that actually translates as actual torture, I'm not sure of the technical or legal definitions. Yes, I agree. I've had a great idea, though. What's that? What they can do is they can hire some people to come <laughs> across and help them <laughs> climb into a box, go into a thing. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's going to be the ex- Expendables 5. <laughs> some, something like that. In, a, in, a, in an amphibian plane that would never make that distance <laughs> across the Pacific will come in with Jason Statham and take them out. <laughs> Yeah. While fighting off Godzilla or something like that. <laughs> it's just, it really is getting quite silly now. But, it um, is. It, it's almost at that stage. Yeah, but it is strange that they're not allowed to appeal the lower court ruling. Um, I, I don't know why that is, but that would seem to be a process they should be allowed to go through. But for whatever reason, the, the higher court is said, have no, so. they can go. So that's the end of Gone Gate for this week. Yes. Uh, this week's big news, really, given it's Tuesday. Has there been any big news? Well, there was a small announcement yesterday morning. Monday morning, when I wasn't ready for it, <laughs> there was big announcement from Jaguar Land Rover yesterday. And there's a, a few takeaways from that. And I think we're going to try and cover the takeaways first, and then we'll try and share our thoughts on it. Because, you know, obviously we're so highly informed in all of these things. But the big announcement from Thierry Bolloré was to talk about their new strategy and the, the significant swivel that is about to go on. And to summarize that down to a few a few bullet points, uh, the aim is that uh, that JLR are going to try are going to become a net zero carbon business by 2039. Uh, and that's going to include a major shift to electrification. Yep. 
couple of points on that. The first is that Land Rover are going to introduce six electrified models over the next few years, and every Jaguar and Land Rover model will have an electric version. There is also a move over the next couple of years to have hydrogen uh, fuel cell vehicles eventually in production, but first of all, uh, prototypes out and about yep. the place, doubtless trundling up and down the M40. Well, they are going to be near the propulsion centre in Warwick, aren't they? And they have very close ties to that. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's part of it, is that all the stuff which isn't to do with building cars is all going to be centralised at Gaiden. Yep. That will probably subsequently involve the closure of the Coventry... Whiteley. The Coventry Whiteley, thank you, technical centre there as well. The other part of this, as part of this electrification, is going to be a huge shift towards modularity. Yep. And modular platforms, modular drivetrains, as you would expect if you've got a number of large vehicles all sharing, you know, that are all going to be EV. You're going to try and make as much of the hard technical stuff uh, as similar as possible, even if the software-based tuning is going to be different to offer different things to different people. Because that's just common sense. Otherwise, it's commercial suicide is what it is. Exactly. Speaking of that that sort of idea and and hard decisions around modularity, uh, the eight to nine months out from production electric XJ that was going to be built at Castle Bromwich has been cancelled as a project. Mm-hmm. And that's quite serious, especially considering they're going to be making Jaguar an electric-only brand, which are still words that fill me, strike me with fear. But not only electric-only... But there will be no SUVs. Land Rover is the yes. SUV brand, and Jaguar yeah. is the car brand. Yes. They are hammering back that distinction. Yes, where there's been quite a lot of crossover, if you'll excuse the pun, uh, <laughs> over the last uh, few years Yes, in there. So why does that fill you, fear, fill you with fear? Sorry, for a long time. Remember, for many, many years, the idea was we're going to make it electric-only brand. And just that was a way of saying we're going to sit you in the corner and you're going to die slowly. And that's not true anymore. No. But I just can't get over it, okay? The, the problem is me, not the not the actual oh, okay. statement itself. All right. That's all right, then. I was going to say Castle Bromwich. Castle Bromwich, as a manufacturing facility, will continue to manufacture the current models that are manufactured at Castle Bromwich. After that, it will be repurposed. But nobody has said what it's going to be repurposed into yet. But it's thought that some of that is going to be part of the the, the sort of various other factions around the place and possibly limited production stuff, maybe the continuations, that kind of thing. Yes, VO, special vehicle operations. That exactly, that sort of stuff, yeah. But what occurred to me with that as well just just quickly into because i know we're not really at the uh, dissecting but one thought that occurred to me is down along Renault's plans of recycling that struck me as well the first thought with me was that's going to be battery or something and so that sort of uh, what Renault were calling the refactory at flan uh, just outside paris yeah yeah to that kind of application particularly if they're going for net zero Yes, absolutely. They're going to have to recycle or, yeah. or control some of that anyway. So so exactly, taking the recyclable bits and recycling them. Yeah, I, I think that, that is a very, uh, a very good and possible call 
to be perfectly honest that that would that would be a, a good idea mm. there so but no other manufacturing plants earmarked for closure or anything like that no. which is good yeah. and there's no also on that front there are no mandatory or forced redundancies so no there is going to have to be job losses but it will be on voluntary people will be uh-huh. would be taking the option and it's not going to be tomorrow either no 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 it, this is this is over time so they probably just won't hire as much yeah. and remember of course that big companies like jlr they use an awful lot of contract labor as well yep who aren't employed by jlr so therefore it's not a jlr related redundancy yes uh, but that's that's not specific to them that's not a dig at them that's that's part of manufacturing these yeah. days uh, that's just the way it is uh, and that's the same just about everywhere there's lots of bits and pieces that niggle me about this. Go on, then. I think we've covered all the, the newsy bits. I hate the fact that they keeps calling it a reimagining. Sorry, that just makes me want to slap someone. I did see quite a few people commenting about the grammar and the English that was being used. Well, th- that's, that's different. That's a tweet. I, it was pretty grim, to be perfectly honest. But the whole thing, the whole term reimagining, was used an awful lot, which just strikes me of, you know, Professor Dr. Jerry McGovern, PhD, blah, MA, FO, and don't yes, forget, don't forget the OB. Twin, 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 20 meters breaststroke. So, I, I, which I just feel is, I don't want it to be a reimagining. I want it to be a reworking, and I want it to work again. Or an evolution. Or an evolution, or any of the, or a revolution, even. Uh, but any of these things. But a reimagining is just too too airy fairy. It can't afford to be airy fairy, and that's why it, it upsets me. I, I want it to work. I think Jaguar, a brand which have has fantastic image. The other thing, and linked into that, is reimagining through design. Design has never been Jaguar's problem. Jaguar have always have always had. Beautiful. I couldn't even. Th- I mean, the only thing I can think of that's an unattractive Jaguar is actually the E Pace. Yes, that hasn't worked. But other than that, that hasn't worked. But it was a good try. You know, let's share the Evoke chassis. Let's platform. Let's let's try that. So I find that that is is actually I would be quite offended personally by by that because actually what Jaguar needs to do is Jaguar needs to be better at making the darn things. I love the idea of a Jaguar. I love the idea of a Range Rover, but I would never put my money into one. No. And we're good at putting our money where our mouths are, the pair of us, mm. when it comes to this kind of stuff. I just couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to buy something I know will break that is guaranteed to have to be to have to go back to the dealer at some point because something doesn't work. I just don't, I just couldn't go out and spend the equivalent of 40 Fifty thousand pounds if it's on the never never, and 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 do do that. No. I just I just couldn't. I'll, I'll, I, no, I'd, I'd end up in a German brand like everybody else has done, and so that is the that's the big worry for me. Everybody loves Jaguar. Everyone around the world loves Jaguar. Great looking cars. For example, just see how the news was reacted to yesterday on on the Twitter. The the positivity from people reporting on it so if you want we we talk about does the british motoring press mind yeah 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 no and i know and 
and even with that in mind, but because of that in mind as well, but if if companies are, and not just in car companies, but just companies generally, are looking for an ability to be perceived positively, even though in the next breath people will say, but, but still get positive about them. I think a lot of companies are kill for that. What, do you mean just like I've said? Yeah. There are, and there are a lot. I mean, let's face it, it's, and the thing is, I can't even say, I can't even say if your vehicle's a load of rubbish, then, then nobody will buy it. Even if your EV's a load of rubbish, nobody will buy it. Because I think we can all think of an EV brand which does not assemble its vehicles well, mm. if at all. And yet has this, has has a, a cult following, I think is a pretty fair way of putting it. Yep. So that doesn't matter. It, it just needs to have the right, it needs to have the right vibe. But I want it to be there on quality too. And I think that that's, because that's the reason most of us haven't bought the darn things. And and the I-Pace, for example, is, is assembled in Austria. It's just, uh, it obviously has ended up being an evolutionary appendix as a family of vehicles it won't go anywhere mm. but you know it's been designed and built by steer and and i'm really hoping that some of that it's not designed by steer my apologies it's been built by them in austria mm. and i really hope that a lot of the learnings from that are working their way into the rest of the business well that's what jaguar claimed or what bollier said because he was asked specifically Mm, or or oh, I've good. seen quotes about bit. the I-Pace and that's what he drives. And he says it's a really good car, but we've got great ideas to make it even better now and things like that. So hopefully they, hopefully they're like their plant engineers and their engineers have been sat on the lines watching everything all the time and making lots of notes. And the I-Pace on the face of it, for someone outside, and there's always be someone who'll disagree with me, seems to have been commercially successful. Yeah, I don't know what margins are like, but they seem no, to have well, that, sold that's quite it. That's well. My, that's my worry on that. But there do seem to be many of them about the place, and you see many on the backs of trucks being taken places. I mean, on the transporters, brand new being taken yes. places. I should, I should. It's a, it's a JLR product, so I should <laughs> nothing, clarify nothing that. Nothing with RAC written across the top. <laughs> no, no, flashing orange lights. <laughs> not a rescue truck. Okay, not sitting at the side of the M1, uh, but the uh, for export, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yay. So I really hope, so they actually have a good basis for electrification there already, and they have a bit more experience of it than maybe many of the German companies already. Well, they're, they're all playing, I feel they're all playing catch-up. and I think, All the German and, Yeah, and I think yeah. getting the I-Pace out when they did has stolen a march and gives them an opportunity to gain market share. And I know, because this is another thing that's come out of this reimagining, is they are no longer going for volume. Yeah, again, do you know what? That's another scary question statement. Yeah, but they weren't getting anywhere near volume anyway. No, they weren't. It's just, you know, they, so they said they weren't. First of, they all, were gonna... first of all, they have to have a product people really, really want and is excellent. Mm-hmm. And at the yeah. minute, they have good products. But as you, you know, as we've just discussed, there are downsides to them. And there are bits mm-hmm. that need need to be fixed that that can't go wrong. Things like the infotainment systems and things like that that cannot go wrong. That in today's market that is one thousand percent unacceptable. Joe Public yeah. will not put up with that, and they will be very noisy about it, which just harms them. So they have to fix that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would rather they fixed that than worried whether it was soft-touch plastics or leather on the top of the dash. I I think they can do both, but if, if they have to do one, please fix the central core bits of your car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not as bad as other brands, which is probably why you... Because that is a, a niggle mm. <laughs> on some other brands, yes. Where are we going? So that's me. I think I've. I think I'm done. I think I've ranted on that one. Lots of really interesting. Uh, lots of interesting analysis on this. If you do wish to read a bit more, then uh, link you in the show notes to a piece in Car Dealer Magazine by Professor David Bailey. Uh, he's very good. Business School. He's he very is good. very good. Yes, uh, he's, he's, he's talks so a lot a of sense, and it's quite interesting to to read his stuff generally. But he's, I think he's uh, bob on with this. But yeah, so but uh, but at the end of the day, we really want this to to succeed. We do, and the and the country needs it to succeed. <laughs> frankly, yeah, generally, yes, yes. The one thing, just on on a tangent, it's not actually on our on our notes. There's lots of muttering about uh, about a new giga plot, giga factory, <laughs> which seems to be the latest thing. In, uh, this big battery one at Coventry Airport site. What that some somebody's re- re- revealed seems to be a, a rendering, render and they have ideas too. They have no planning yeah. permission. No, they haven't yes. even put a planning application in. They've got no backing. They've got no technology partner. They've got no idea what they're doing, etc. They've got no indication of how they're going to be green energyed either. It's this is a it's someone stuck a flag up to make wear. it look like they're doing something, and it's just an idea. It's absolute vaporware. It is. Don't what, give it the time of what, day at the moment. Yeah, that's that's just that's the only reason I'm mentioning it is to say it's. Yes, we we wouldn't even include it. It was so BSE that we didn't even include it in here. To this is this is mocking by an aside. <laughs> yes, yeah, just, we didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. not worth it's, us. It's not worth the effort. <laughs> it wasn't even worth adding to Trello. That's how bad it was. Anyway, we've given it far more time than it deserves. Yep. So potholes. Yes. Well, there was a big splashy announcement from the government that they are pledging five hundred million for pothole repairs. And this is all part of the pothole repair fund and all the rest of it. However, it's not as handy and lovely as it sounds because it's actually a reduction of three hundred and ninety eight million on last year's. So the councils have already said unless you can find the extra cash, then we are not going to be able to do what you are telling us we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. So And of- Obviously, harsh winter so far, so the roads are particularly bad this year, I've noticed. I, I don't understand how we're down to cobbles, considering there's been less traffic. And that was before the cold snap. Hmm. Well, they get hammered around They get hammered around here by trucks. So yeah, and I know, I know you've, you've got that, but I'm just talking on some of our residential roads. That, that It's just, please stop doing rubbish patches. Put proper roads in. Invest in the infrastructure, government. Please, come on. You've you found money for everything else, so why not? It's all made up as it is at the minute. <laughs> so just do it, it. Yeah, it's all... Of... <laughs> 500 million here. Have 700 million. Yeah, 1.4 billion. Because <laughs> it is. It's just... It's, it's, it's a magic money pot, so... Yeah. <laughs> Sound economic sense from the Motoring Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, take us to another Highways England 
Oh, another highways one. Yes, this was the other. This was news that came out just before the weekend, really, just at the end of last week. Uh, and it's the Highways England has been referred to the Crown Prosecution Service uh, and could face corporate manslaughter charges for death by smart motorway, uh, essentially. A coroner saying that there's more than sufficient evidence for the Crown Prosecution Service to consider bringing charges after the death of uh, Nargis Begum, sadly, uh, on a stretch of smart motorway on of the M1 in South Yorkshire. So yes, that's going to be that's going to be something to to keep an eye on. Uh, I think. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, Mercedes and emergency call bugs? Yeah, this is centered in America, but I'm not sure if it's actually going to spread to us and the EU. But it is that uh, they're having to recall more than a million cars because the emergency call system, there, which their e-call feature. If a car's in an accident, then it will phone the local emergency services to signal where the location is. However, there have been problems where it has told the location that it's in Europe. Mm -hmm. And that's unhelpful if you're in America. Yes. (laughs) I'm led to believe. Um, I, I can just about see how that might be a problem. So amazingly, the NHTS... A have uh, that's the UK uh, the US's um, safety system out there safety administration out there they've leapt onto this quite quickly considering other manufacturers don't get required to call things back as quickly uh, as we discussed last week what Mercedes are hoping and think will happen is that an over the air update will fix it however if your cover your cell coverage is not good enough as a lot of America isn't, uh, or if you're on an older bit of software, you will need to go in and get uh, plugged in and done mm-hmm. locally at your dealer. But it's another example of software and unintended glitches and things, which yep. is going to happen more and more. Yes, but fortunately, it's hard. not. It's not a. It's not a. You know, a, a, something that's led to anybody being hurt or killed or anything like that. But it is important. And it's not even consistent against all of them. It's all to do with if there's a voltage drop just after something happens. Yeah, if it's a particular ac- particular type of accident, yeah. Exactly. So 99.99% of the time, it will be just fine, even in these 1.3 million cars. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's highly contextual, that one. Yep. Right, well, why don't you take us to more EV-ness then, Alan? Absolutely. Uh, and the government has launched a couple of initiatives coming up so i'll cover the first one which is that that there is a move to to try and simplify the use of ev charge points generally and as a result there's a consultation out it's all about improving reliability making it easier for consumers and all sorts of stuff like that so so making it easier to pay uh, using a single payment metric uh, I saw a tweet somewhere recently with somebody who got caught out by the fact that that the charger they were using billed you by the time period rather than the amount of electricity you used. Reliable networks uh, and also things like accessibility, weatherproofing, signproofing and, and signage. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Uh, so it's consultation fill in. Yeah, and this is important. So we've got until um, the quarter to noon on the 10th of April to respond to that. So if you do have an EV or have used one, do respond to this, please, because this will help make it better for all of us. Here's a hint, folks. 
you'll do more good by filling this in, this consultation in, than you will by whinging on Twitter because you couldn't find a charger. <laughs> uh, but about that uh, that announcement, I know that uh, one charging network was going to make an announcement how they'd made it contactless payment on their mm. charging, uh, and they were specifically asked not to because then the government could look proactive. Mm-hmm. So and they yeah. and they did do that. They they did do as the as the government asked um, to to help out with this. So this industry can see there's issues, but if we can get them, if we can get this in legislation and it's sensible, then it will speed up these things being done right the first time. Well, it'll kick the parts of industry that aren't necessarily don't seem to be responding to the issues into actually having to do something and not just sitting back yeah. whilst much of the rest of the industry tries to make things better for the consumer. Yes, absolutely. So there's the big noisy ones. There's also the smaller, quiet suppliers who, who don't tend to be nearly as proactive. Yep. Uh, some of the London ones. That might well change over the yep. next little while. Yeah. But the, the other story to do with all this is that the government has extended their... Uh, workplace and home charging grant that they are making available to uh, to all of us. So it's the electric mm-hmm. vehicle home charge scheme, and also uh, there is the workplace charging scheme. Yeah, up to three hundred and fifty pounds per home charging unit. Yes, prepared to give you, and they they have expanded who it covers, particularly in the work one, that it will now cover SMEs. Uh, and the charity sector, which it wasn't previously. But they mm-hmm. also specifically, and this is thanks to Daniel Puddlecombe for spotting this and bringing it to my attention, but they also mentioned uh, B&Bs will be able to do it. However, as Daniel points out, the wording in the current rules states that for a workplace charging scheme, it must only be used by employees for the for mm-hmm. you for a company to be able to take advantage of this. So either they shouldn't include B&Bs or they should open it up and say yes but then the public can also take advantage of this as well or it or customers. Mm-hmm. However whatever the wording needs to be but uh, but hope, hopefully it'll be the second that they say customers can take advantage. It makes sense. I mean there's there's places around here not that they've got many visitors at the minute, but there's there's certainly workplaces and factories around here where there are charging points in the car parks, mm. which aren't always full all the time. They've normally got one or two cars at them. But then if you were a customer and you were visiting, then you'd be able to rock up, plug in, and charge your car whilst you're in your big business meeting. <laughs> Talking about Perspex displays and all these kind of fun things that they make in Corby. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Mm. I don't know when it's going to run until, but uh, the fact they've expanded it is good news, and it it's another step in the right direction to uh, helping for helping the adoption of EV, EVs or electrified vehicles. Agreed. And I saw someone asking recently, unrelated to that, about how difficult it was to get an EV charging point if you don't actually own an EV, and I wonder how that that fits into it, but. Mm. Yeah, it's one of these days. It's it's an intri- It's a thing that I would be interested in doing because I think it would help with testing stuff. Yeah, it's absolutely something I'd I'd like to 
hmm. to try and do as well. Yeah. Investigate. Right, I think we've waffled enough for the first part. We have. It's quite a lot of waffle there. It's quality waffle, I hope. But yes, it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do so, so thank you very much, as I say every week, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you. Right, there's a there's a smidgen, or quite a bit actually, of Formula E there's quick a small, news. Quick news. A small smattering of Formula E news. First up, DS Tuchita uh, are committing to Gen 3 uh, of Formula E. I think they'll definitely beat a cheater on that then. There had better be. As long as they're not cheating, it's fine. The next is the last time we went through all of the teams and who was driving where, then there was a spare seat at Neo 333 uh, team. Well, former Jaguar Formula E driver Adam Carroll uh, has been signed. Well, has been signed as their reserve driver, pardon me, uh, ahead of the first races of the season, which begins in a fortnight's time just under a fortnight's time now yep uh he's cover for oliver turvey and tom blomqvist this season yep but then there's the the last the last one god which is that for me is they've tried to work out a way of deterring manufacturers from leaving the series at least leaving it part way through a generation so uh, if, you're, if you're aware, as I'm sure you are by now, that we are currently in the second generation cars with third generation coming up in two years' time. I think that's right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's about as certain as I am about what I've just said. But in a couple of years' time, we're moving on to generation three, and there are new rules being introduced uh, there, and a new generation of car, obviously, with generation three. The thing is that uh, when you sign up, then each year you have to pay about 300,000 euros to take part. That's normal. That's that's standard. However, when you sign up for Gen 3, you will be signing up for the whole of Gen 3. And if you decide that you don't want to be part of Formula E anymore partway through Generation 3, then you'll still be charged the 300,000 euros for every year remaining in the series. But you won't get to pay it every year, as you do if you're still taking part in the series. You have to pay it within six. You have to pay the full outstanding sum within 60 days of announcing that you're leaving the series. So they're not fining you. They're not asking for any extra money. They're just holding you to what you've committed to at the start of it yes. uh, as a way of as a way of, of trying to get people to be in from generation to generation. However, so when you sign up, you sign up for this long. You can't just sort of dabble your toes in it for a year and then pee off again. You're actually, you're committed for a, a chunk of years. Lots of people say, oh, that's terrible. That's silly. There's a certain amount of me that actually thinks that's quite a clever idea. 
but it does give an excuse for those who were wavering to just naff off now and not sign up. Considering it how does. much pressure there is already through the economic situation for everyone, this seems then it's, an, then an, it's an, too, seems quite yeah. an antagonistic way to approach it. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure I'm a wonderful fan of the new generation of Formula E management. Let me just let me, no, let me say that out loud. Um, I'm, I'm less convinced by how it's going of how how much they've appreciated the past and i know things have to move forward but it it seems quite combative yes i think i've missed alejandro already mm. mm-hmm. should we move on yes let's talk about wrc shall we and aerodynamics because we're not a nerdy enough podcast <laughs> i know uh, this is basically a second lunchtime read because i found it incredibly interesting but this is from wrc wings <laughs> the aerodynamics of wrc this is <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a genuine website. It is. Um, but they uh, have released a, an article that is talking about how very low ambient temperatures will impact on the aero of the WRC cards because, obviously, this is the Arctic Rally Finland. And I was fascinated because it's been years since I've done this sort of, you know, like I did it in school. So that's more, more years than we should be wow. able to count with hands and, well, they, and they measured it they measured it with toes. rocks yes quite oh aerodynamic rock <laughs> oh downforce rock yeah yes that, so that by, kind of thing by that's time, what it was, wasn't it by time periods this is how they did yes. it <laughs> geological time periods <laughs> but but it's really interesting all the bits that do actually impact uh are on on the rally cars and and how the rally teams have been trying to get around some of the problems they've got, particularly things like the the brake ducts uh, and the engine. You know what sort of what sort of radiator baffling they're going to have and, and blankets uh, to some are blocking all the brake ducts off at the front and rear and things like that. And then there's things like adding the mud flaps so that ice doesn't form along the sides of the cars and affect it and, and affect the aero that way. So it, there's a lot to actually appreciate. And it's, it, I personally found it quite interesting, but then mm-hmm. it gave me five <laughs> minutes of not having to interact with my family. Perhaps that says more about me than anything else, but I, but I think it's a really interesting article as well. Excellent. Take us to the actual lunchtime read. The actual lunchtime reads on Haggerty, and it is a tour of Britain's preserved and crumbling local petrol stations by uh, Rich Duesberg. It's a seven minute, seven minutes long read. It's from the other week, and there's some lovely pictures and some nice places. I say, by the way, I didn't realise that uh, he says here, according to Historic England, the earliest petrol station or filling station, as they were known, was opened in November 1919 in in Berkshire, by the Automobile Association. And the trouble is, I, I know the village of Aldermaston quite well, sadly. I just can't think where it must have been. It must have been up by the little triangle bit, I think, where the hairdressers is. Sorry, it's it's there are not many streets in Aldermaston, so you've you've got to kind of <laughs> narrow it down a bit. It's the only place I can think of it makes sense. Um, but yes, Heinz Head, very nice. I haven't been in for a while, but it's uh, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, used to, good food, nice pop. Well, this is uh, all to do with a book that uh, Richard has brought out 
about these, but these they have selected a few that are particularly interesting and lovely. Yeah. And I just I just think it's a, a fabulous little read. It's a two volume book actually. It should be quite good. I've I've bought and read some of Rich's others so other books. So uh, I haven't read yeah. this one yet. Yeah, I should add it to my collection. So link in the show notes as ever, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. It is the list of the week, and it's Top Gear, but there's no Tom Wookie Ford in shorts. So despite that, though, we've it's the top nine weird Japanese hot hatches. Now I've introduced this because I need to ask Alan. <laughs> so prime your drinks, possibly. He, on, he started this. What's what's your uh, what is the car of choice on this? Uh, hang on, let me scroll through very quickly and remind myself. It's a, you see, it's it's whether you choose it by the name or by the car, because the names are just as good as anything else. Well, the the names are superb. Uh, there is one of my least favourite Japanese hot hatches, isn't here? Um, no, not that one. Uh, not that one. Definitely not that one. Uh... No, it's got to be. Oh no, no, it has to be the same one. I'm sorry. It, 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 this is hard for me. I'm sorry. Uh, so it has to be the Honda City Turbo Two with those fantastic aero wheels. That's what win, <laughs> wins it. I have a second choice, but that's all to do with the name as well as the fact that it is four wheel drive and awesome. But look, it's it's just cool, awesome, brilliant thing. Yep. Yep, they are. There's only nine. I'm not going so to pick you one. You're uh, not going to pick one. Mine is the next one along, just for you to know. Oh, okay, fair enough. Cool. Yes, if you want to know what the next one along is, do click on the link in the show notes. Yep. <laughs> right, and finally. This is, I mean, thank you for putting this in. I didn't put this one in, Andrew did. Uh, I think that this is one of the best and finalies we've had for a long time. And if you thought on the way through the podcast that it sounded like I hadn't read all of the articles properly, you're probably right. And the reason for that is that I got thoroughly distracted by this. So, this, uh, and I saw it via... Professor Tim Bale on on Twitter, and it is called Drive and Listen, and it's a website where you can you go to it and you have a choice about twenty twenty five cities or so, yeah, from all around the world, and you can choose from there. And it's YouTube videos of first person driving around these cities, and it takes you around them with. And at the same time, it will stream one of many, you can choose, local radio stations. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. And I can't work out if it's... I mean, well, put it like this, I clicked on it, right? And the first one it automatically took me through to was Mumbai. And it was taking me on the the sort of expressway that runs down, the, 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 down in, which runs in the sea, uh, down the side of the peninsula that it's on, which I've I've been on. Um, I mean, this when I was there, it was raining, not the beautiful sunny day of the video. And it was like, oh, that's really cool. I've been there. And then I worked through other ones. It was like, Rome. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. I walked around. There's a really good gelateria up there and all this kind of stuff that I don't I, I think. And it was really <laughs> cool. Uh, that and, you know, with an Italian radio station, which is live as 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 live as streaming radio stations are in the background. And, and it was really cool. Really good. Oslo, loads of loads of cities, London, Paris, Nice, 
Uh, New York, obviously, which you realize how slow New York is. You can turn the speed of the car up to one and a half or twice. Twice is a bit fast, um, especially in the Italian cities, like Rome. <laughs> you're like, whoa! Um, <laughs> as, a, as a Fiat 500 comes across five lanes of traffic on the cobbles, completely unmarked, uh, and, and stuff. And it's genius. It's brilliant. Really, really good. I can't, if it's triggering, helping satisfy my my lack of travel sickness um or or exacerbating it to be perfectly honest very cool very cool indeed i'm i'm happy i stumbled across this and all the cool music by the way just just the, the, the cool music and listening to local radio stations the adverts on the italian <laughs> ones just just unbelievable how fast are you speaking sir but you can also have the street noises you can you can have that playing as well if you if you so wish. That's just the background noise from the YouTube video. So sometimes it's another piece of music that's playing in the background, and other times it's it's just sort of general noise. It's I, I turned that off. I didn't I didn't enjoy. Yeah, that. I, I don't have that on. Uh, that didn't add to my experience. But this is very very cool. It's quite an awkward. I'm I'm not just being a pain. Uh, it's quite an awkward. URL. It's driveandlisten.herokuapp.com. Link in the show notes, and I'm not just saying that to generate us some clicks. Yeah. I'm currently behind the police in Hawaii. Are you? Yes. I've done Berlin. I've done Zurich. I've done, as I say, there was not as much revision tonight as there should have been. <laughs> but yes, please do go and enjoy that. And and if you do, do, do tweet us to say where you've been because uh, I've not had a chance to go everywhere yet. No, I've skipped some. I haven't been to Cuba yet. I haven't done Havana. No. No. But yeah, Mumbai's kind of cool. Yeah. I think that rounds it up for this week. It does. Uh, no particular parish notes. Nope. Do check out previous special editions, Zoom Zoomers, uh, on YouTube uh, as well. So Things uh, are beginning are to there. be booked, though, that will mean that more special editions are happening. I have in my famous best Neville Chamberlain. I have pieces of paper. <laughs> Peace is not mentioned. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. Yes, but not until April. There we go. So yes, yes, stuff's been booked. Lots of things are starting to happen again. I need to chase up some other stuff, and people haven't got back to me, and all the usual joys of having guests on. Mm-hmm. It's it's chasing them. Guest guest podcasts are the hardest. But anyway, until then, don't forget to now and next week and give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer and all the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to discuss more about the list of the week and how difficult you found to pick your number one, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Oh, personally. Uh, well, if you can find enough letters in a tweet to tell me the names of some of them, then you can get me on Twitter <laughs> where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We, as I say, will be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. At Safe Motoring. <laughs>